The Airbnb economy has been hit hard by the coronavirus lockdown, but if you think it's just the owners taking a hit, you're in for a rude awakening. It is a whole economic ecosystem from cleaning services to decorators, not to mention maintenance workers. Details and more on this episode of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebell, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from Lake Mayapak in Putnam County, New York. And coming to you from outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihai. This is the Money News Show that includes stories from across the financial, excuse me, that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And we do do this live and that's why we mess up sometimes. And that's half the fun of the show. The other fun is that we are sponsored by Joust. Big thanks to them for supporting Money with Friends. Joust is the nation's only all-inclusive banking platform for the self-employed. Pay Armor, Joust, Invoice, Payment Guarantee, product supports the 71% of the gig economy that struggles because they sometimes don't get paid. You can sign up for Joust for free at try.joust.com forward slash MWF and enter promo code money with friends and you'll get $100 in credits. That's try.joust.com slash MWF. Just got a note from George, by the way, they have a waiting list running currently. They are um, also about to announce some big uh, changes that they can't talk about, but if you want to be first in line for the new iteration of Joust, head to uh, try.joust.com forward slash MWF. Well, change is all over the place. At the end of today's show, we'll be talking about a big change here. But right now, Bobby, we're talking about Airbnb. You've never stayed in Airbnb. I have never stayed in an Airbnb. I've been interested in it, but my husband loves hotels. He loves hotel amenities. And because he travels a lot for work, he has a lot of perks with the hotels. So he's built up all those perks. So the truth is very often when we travel as a family, we can travel for free by staying at hotels. And he loves the uh, benefits of, of hotels. So that's what we do. And when I travel on my own for work, I, it's usually for a conference. So if it's a conference, I want to stay at the hotel that the conference is at. And if it's for a client, they are usually paying for a hotel. So that's that's why I've never stayed at ah, Airbnb. Gotcha. I totally support them. I've heard great things, but just hasn't happened. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Airbnbs, but only when we do extended stays. Like when when we stay at an Airbnb, we're staying there for a week. You know, if I stay at a hotel, I'm usually there for two or three days. Airbnb, by the way, is more set up uh, for that. A lot of the time, the Airbnb will have... Uh, costs for cleaning and things that they only charge once to the stay. So if you're staying for seven days, it makes a lot of economic sense. If you're staying for one or two days, usually a hotel is going to be a better way to go. Anyway, plus trying to find the Airbnb, figuring out which house it is, figuring out the keys, all the quirks of what this, you know, uh, uh, landlord has about their place that the other one doesn't have. A hotel is so, so, so much easier. But for those extended stays, I have to tell you, staying in a neighborhood where real people in that community live and kind of um, feeling like you're just becoming a little bit for a week, maybe, or two weeks a member of the community, it's a lot of fun. We're actually doing an Airbnb for three weeks when we're in Bali for the month of uh, December. Oh, you're just rubbing it in. Uh, did I? I just did. Yes. Well, let's. Yes, you just did. We can talk about that more later. Right now, let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. Hey, what's good? This is Rich from Paychecks and Balances. We'll supply the coffee, 
They'll supply the headlines. That's why I'm down with watch and listen to Money with Friends. All right. This comes to us from Fox Business, and it is uh, by way of the Wall Street Journal, by the way, I see here. Uh, And uh, it doesn't tell us who it's written by, Bobby. So apologies to the author, but let's get into it. Uh, The piece is A Bargain with the Devil, Bill Comes Due for Overextended Airbnb Hosts. For years, Cheryl Dopp considered the ding on her phone from a new Airbnb Inc. booking to be the sound of what she called, quote, magical money. A property she rented out in Jersey City, New Jersey on Airbnb could gross more than $8,000 a month, she said, double what long-term tenants would pay. Now, Ms. Dopp associates the ding with cancellations and financial misery. The 54-year-old information technology contractor said she had about $10,000 in bookings evaporate overnight in March. She had $22,000 in monthly expenses for a largely Airbnb portfolio, she said, that included another Jersey City home and a house in Miami. In her mind, the promise of more rental income offset the growing debt, she said. I made a bargain with the devil. Ms. Dopp is part of an upper crust dimension of the gig economy, property owners and speculators who bought or leased real estate in pursuit of Airbnb profits. Airbnb spawned a cottage industry of homeowners running their own property empires, turning the startup into hoteliers without any hotels. The coronavirus spread has exposed swaths of the U.S. economy that were ill-suited for a crisis. Great for offering inexpensive goods and services quickly, terrible in an economic disaster. The sharing economy has proven particularly unstable in the pandemic. Silicon Valley championed the concept of turning America into a land of entrepreneurs, taking advantage of flexible hours, unimpeded by the regulations or specialized training. People who bought into the idea turned their cars into work, excuse me, turned their cars into workstations for Uber technologies and Lyft, or became couriers for food delivery services like DoorDash. They have taken a hit. But with Airbnb, the problems are broader. Hosts brought them, hosts brought with them cleaning services, interior designers, and property maintenance workers who helped bid miniature, miniature property empires. So their plight has ripple effects that go far beyond their own listings. Airbnb hosts saw $1.5 billion in bookings vanish in mid-March as the travel industry froze, according to market research firm AirDNA LLC, which analyzes bookings. Airbnb gave guests full refunds and forced hosts to dip into their pockets or beg for leniency on April loans and rent. Hmm. You know, it's interesting when you when you talk to people that run restaurants, hotels, businesses, to be successful, they come up with a formula, right? Of how much money I have to leave in reserves, how much debt I can take on, you know, for a restaurant, as an example, what the food cost is. I'm sure it's the same for cleaning costs and all these things. And, and it's funny when you look at something like an Uber or a Lyft, a lot of people have said this for a while, Bobby, that if you knew how to do math, you wouldn't drive for Uber or Lyft. Because when you look at the depreciation on your vehicle and you add that in and you add your own, quote, wage cost, you add in all these extra costs, payroll, whatever it might be, your, your portion of the FICA tax because now you're self-employed, mm-hmm. the, the math makes no sense. And these companies, to some degree, realize that. But in this case, I feel like this is an Airbnb's problem. This is a problem because you can charge whatever you want for your space. This is a problem of people that thought that it was just, hey, I rent out my house. I get this magical check and then I begin living on all of it. Right. Which isn't the case. 
Well, I agree with what you're saying. And that is something as the article goes on and it's a long piece, so we're not going to read the whole piece. They do make that point that many people were using this money to, you know, live a better lifestyle, which by the way, is not a bad thing. Okay. That's actually okay. You're allowed to earn more money and you can then spend more money. That's not bad in and of itself. I do also think a lot of people were using this money, especially when they were renting out an extra room in their own home. And a lot of this piece is about people that were buying extra properties to build this business. But when you're renting out a spare bedroom, very often that's about making ends meet. And a lot of Airbnb hosts were having a tough time economically, still recovering in some ways from the last recession. And this was a way to bridge the gap and have extra money coming in just to pay their bills. Some, I, well, and I agree with that, Some. but but still you are a, you're a business owner. And I think that if you've never been a business owner before, you don't realize that there's these high highs and low lows. And back when I was a financial planner, the one thing that I coach people on all the time was not living this boom bust lifestyle when you're either a commission based person or a business owner, because what generally happens is, is that a, 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 somebody that lives off of a commission or lives off of some Airbnb, let's say bookings are high one month or low another, they will have ramen noodles, ramen noodles, ramen noodles. The big check comes in and then they go blow it all on big screen TV, steak dinner, eating out every night until it's gone. And then it's back to ramen noodle, ramen noodle, ramen noodle. Instead, what you really need to do is take that money when times are good put it in a separate account and pay yourself a set paycheck every week so that you live a lifestyle like you were when you were working for somebody else. And when you did that, it, it, uh, even stuff out a lot more. I really feel bad for people that, um, that thought that, Hey, this money coming in, this is going to be an income stream. That's going to continue when it rarely is. If you own a business, there's always downturns. Businesses do have ebbs and flows. However, this is not a normal ebb and flow, to be fair. I know I'm kind of um, maybe being a little too soft, but I, I think that this is something so unforeseen. Usually your business will start to go down a little gradually. Maybe people, if there's an economic hiccup, people are losing their jobs, people will gradually back off. This just went to zero. And I think that that is something that, you know, it's really hard for so many businesses to plan for. So I think that we do have to have some empathy. And we're also still, remember, well, well, if you, we kind of do service people, but all these service people, um, that are tied to this, they talk about, I mean, the maintenance workers, you know, what if your business is doing maintenance and you've, you've got a diversified base of Airbnb owners that are your clients and that's your specialty and they're all, that you, and they're all down and, you know, you've, you've tried to diversify, but that's where the business is for what you do. So, you I know, get that, but people, if you, own, I mean, it's just, it's tough. If you, uh, I agree that it's tough, but if we really look at this, we are, we are two months in. We're two months not in. that far. Two no. months, people should have two months saved. Yes, I yes. agree with that. And if, and, if, and if you're on your last straw and you're two months in, I mean, I don't want to do the Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? But, but, but to some degree, you got to think about why did I run my business that way? I can't run my business that way. And it's, I, I agree, it's, it's incredibly sad. And by the way, it's probably going to get worse, right? I mean, even as the economy opens up, is somebody going to want to stay at an Airbnb next week? Two weeks from now, three weeks from now, like hotels, I mean, still going to be going to be tough. Restaurants, the same the the same way. So I totally agree. If we're talking four, five, six months out, two months, two months, and you and you're running out of money already. Fair enough, but I still think that we should have empathy for them because, like so many businesses, we were really 
businesses were just caught so off guard by the sharpness sure. of the drop. Well, so, and, and lesson, also the fact that Airbnb, you mentioned that Airbnb themselves, while clearly hurt, a lot of the pain is being, uh, the, the brunt of the pain is being felt by their hosts. Sure. That they're really, well, a lot of them have complained, and this goes on in the article a little bit, that Airbnb is really so busy advocating for the customers, the people that stay in these Airbnbs and making sure they all get their refunds that, you know, that really leaves their base of owners in a lurch. In a lurch. Absolutely. The, um, and my goal isn't to say shame on you to people that, uh, that, that, uh, are Airbnb owners doing it wrong. Our lesson is really for our listeners, which is, which is, it makes sense whenever you're building anything, building any dream to think about all the things that could go wrong ahead of time with that dream and then building contingencies, you know, I mean, and I'll give you an example to go back to rubbing salt in the wound earlier, talking about going to Bali for the month of December, like I am the, uh, being 400 yards from a beach, like I will be for the entire month. But the dirt, because that trip, because the economy is so uncertain, I looked at all the things that could go wrong and immediately, a lot of the time, I won't buy insurance on my trip. I I, I spent the extra, I think it was 210 bucks. I spent $210 for an insurance policy on that trip because who the hell knows what's going on in December, Bobby? I have no idea. So for me, it was worth the extra money to, to, to think, you know, strategically about maybe this doesn't go the way we planned. Well, it also, a lot of what I'm thinking about now is it also is important that when you do start a business or do any kind of investment, you really want to make sure you have much more of a backstop than you can ever imagine. I remember a friend started a business in New York. It was a restaurant. This is, you know, a decade ago. And the paperwork, the, the all the red tape in New York took so much longer than she had expected that she was paying rent on this restaurant for four or five months. She had a six month cushion and she only had a month yeah. cushion when she opened and that doomed the restaurant. It, it did not last. So it, it is very hard. You always have to have more, even when you do any project. I mean, what renovation have we ever done that doesn't end up costing double or triple whatever the estimate was? It's always going to be worse than you sort of anticipate. So you do need that extra backstop. A so general, I think that's a valid point. No, and it's funny that you say that because a uh, good friend of mine advises businesses and when when businesses look at their worst case scenario, he always tells them to raise double that amount of cash so that they can get through double what they think their worst case scenario is. Because when you're forming a business, you're overly optimistic. You think it's going to be fantastic and and so double that number. I mean, our you know mutual friend Paula Pant over at Afford Anything owns some rental properties and she's very public about saying that she keeps 12 months of of uh, what would 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 normally be covered by rents in cash, twelve months, because she's worried that we might have a year where she doesn't have a renter, and um, you know, to, to some people that might seem excessive, but look at us now, you know, and think yeah. about man, if you had done the work to put twelve months away so that you didn't have to worry about it for a year. But not everyone is at that point. Paula is very successful, very established. You might be a new Airbnb host and simply not have the cash flow to build that up. Sure. To sure. be fair. But if so. but if you're new, you're also not at the point yet, I think, where you're you're living off of every dime of that income and you've mm-hmm. now integrated it into your lifestyle. I mean, maybe you maybe you've taken every dime to live off of because you need the income coming in, but you that's a whole different thing. 
I think. It is a whole different thing. We are taping this, though, uh, recording it in uh, YouTube, and we have a nice audience here with us with some comments. Yeah, I asked uh, the question if people have stayed in Airbnb because uh, I love them and Bobby never has. Oliver says, has stayed in Airbnb, but but, uh, but Airbnb is not for me. Feels like you're encroaching on somebody's house, hotels all the way. Uh, I've, you know, the Airbnbs that I've stayed at really feel like these are owned by somebody who doesn't live there. Like it really feels hotel ish. And, um, and, uh, it hasn't felt to me like I'm encroaching on, on somebody's house. So I haven't had that feeling, uh, Sarah hanging out with us says probably Airbnb before hotel. So we are, we are split on that particular question. Well, I think I, I see what Sarah is saying, because I think that you've pointed out people might feel uncomfortable. And I think with an Airbnb, when you have a host who has so much on the line to get that good review and make sure you have a good experience and that the whole place feels extremely clean and safe, that somehow seems a little bit better than a hotel where they have so so much going on and there's going to be more people around. I mean, when you go to a hotel, there's other people checking in. I mean, I don't know how they would adjust. I'm, I'm sure they'll make adjustments. But an Airbnb, if you're staying in at a, a home or something that's a single residence, that is you're going to have a better shot of not being near other people. So I, I understand yeah. Sarah's point. For for my son's graduation is is a as an example, everybody pitched in that was coming to Austin, Texas, and we all rented a house together, and it was a big house with five uh, separate bedroom areas. But we had this nice common area, not like a hotel where we'd be with a bunch of other people. It was our common area at a fireplace. We were able to have a fire in the fireplace. It was like our own little headquarters, and we had this nice celebration for Nick's graduation, um, and for a lot less money than it would have been for us to put everybody up at a hotel or everybody put themselves up at a hotel. Everybody, we had a nicer time and it was less expensive for the whole family. It was really cool. And and maybe people will feel more safe and secure at an Airbnb like that, where it's been cleaned up to whatever the regulations become and you are in your own space versus a hotel where you do encounter a lot of other people. Yeah. Good. So that's a plus for the Airbnb people. Good point. When things get back to it'll whatever be, that it, new It'll be interesting. Is. Yeah, this piece didn't talk about it, Bobby, but you and I have also read elsewhere that Airbnb has their own problems. They're still they're still venture capital funded. And mm-hmm. man, that company is struggling. So there's a whole nother story here that people can look into if they want more. In just yeah. a second, Bobby and I'll have our big takeaways from today's piece. But uh, uh, first, I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Joust. Thanks to Joust for supporting Money with Friends. That is uh, who... Bobby and I bank with for Money with Friends. If you've ever thought about starting your own business, perhaps you wanted to begin a side passion project, well, maybe you weren't sure where to begin. Ensuring a steady income will always be one of the first things you think of and could be the reason why you eventually uh, don't take the leap. It's funny that what Joust does, Bobby, to some degree is exactly what we're talking about today. Joust is the nation's only all-inclusive banking platform for the self-employed. Business banking can feel complicated, but Joust makes it easy. PayArmor, Joust invoice payment guarantee product, supports the 71% of people in the gig economy who sometimes don't get paid. You can sign up for Joust for free at try.joust.com forward slash MWF and enter promo code MONEYWITHFRIENDS. You'll get $100 in credits toward their PayArmor product. That's try joust.com slash mwf and as i mentioned before they have a waiting list right now because they are unveiling some new stuff coming soon but if you want to be first in line over there use our link uh try.joust.com forward slash mwf bobby what's our takeaway today yeah 
I'm sad. I disagree with the theory that many property owners were using this to upsize their lifestyle. There's some, of course, but there's, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with upsizing your lifestyle if you can afford it and have the right, um, backup plan if something goes wrong like now. Um, but a lot of these are small business owners, people just trying to leverage an extra room in their home for more income just to pay their bills, just to make ends meet, not to mention all the people who indirectly get paid in the Airbnb economy. So I just wish everyone the best. Well, that is, that, that is a, Sorry. that is a very nice, very, very warm, fuzzy. And maybe I'll try an Airbnb when, when this is over that's to a, support them. That's a very, warm, fuzzy takeaway. <laughs> My takeaway is I love this as a business lesson. And, and, and I love this idea of before you build anything to look at all the things that can go wrong and protect against those things first. And, and having this income stream also means whether you want to or not, it's a business and you want to treat it like it's a business and think of how the business could go wrong. And when I see businesses that have uh, bad things happen to them, it ends up being a great case study for business owners that want to be successful. So whether you're looking at your own financial plan or you're looking at starting a business, I think learning from this and saying, I need to have some of that money go into a reserve so that if something bad happens, um, I'm not as dependent on it. Very well said. And I, I think that's yeah. an excellent point to combine with my fact that I, my, my sentiment that I'm rooting for everybody. Right. But Bobby has the God bless us each and every one going today. What's the, uh, what's, uh, how do people help us make the show, Bobby? People can help us make the show by, first of all, joining us here on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search for Money with Friends, and you will find us. Subscribe, and you can set up an alert to, to find out when we are taping. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter to find out when we are taping and be part of our uh, polls and quizzes and comments. Our handle on both Instagram and Twitter is at MoneyFriendsPod. And you can also learn more about the show by going to MoneyWithFriendsPodcast.com on the internet. Tomorrow, who are you hanging out with tomorrow? Aaron Lowry? Aaron Lowry. Aaron Lowry. Millennial. Yeah. yeah. Going to be fantastic. And later in the week, it's Liz Weston and I. So another week here at Money with Friends. On behalf of Bobby, I'm Joe. Um, we're going to have a bonus segment in a second yes. that we're not going Thank to do you. live. Um, but bonus segment coming up next. So hang on, everybody. Before we go... Even though we said goodbye to everyone live because uh, we didn't want to give this up on Friday when we recorded, I want to say hi to all of our friends joining us on Westwood One, Bobby. Yes, we're so excited to be part of the network. And for those of you who don't know what Westwood One is, uh, it's part of Cumulus Media, one of the biggest radio conglomerates in the United States. Westwood One is a uh, network that's been around for a long time. We are very excited about uh, the opportunity because of the fact that you know, we're pretty, we're pretty excited about financial literacy and having a bigger platform to help more people learn about good money habits and follow these uh, money headlines and realize that these money headlines that sometimes seem a little obtuse or don't have a lot to do with you, you think, really have a lot more to do with you than you might think. Yes. And especially with everything going on these days, I mean, we've been getting an increased interest in these headlines that we're discussing and we love bringing to you the ones that are most uh, relevant and, and helping everybody understand why we need to break them down. And, um, you know, we always say we give you these takeaways, but they're, they're important because this stuff is literally uh, impacting our family finances, our jobs, our, 
our companies, if we have companies. And um, we try to take a lighter tone, not always as light as Stacking Benjamins, which you guys all listen to. A lot of you should check out if you're not listening to it. Um, but we try to, to do it with a sense of humor, but also with real information that can help everybody. It's it's super exciting. This all started when uh, John, uh, a gentleman named John Wardock, uh, reached out to me from Westwood One. Uh, I've had people reach out to me in the past from different um, uh, different networks, but uh, Westwood One has a near and dear place in my heart because I remember working on you know, cars in our garage, my dad and I are driving down the road and listening to Westwood one on the radio as I was a kid. And now we're, we're on that, uh, on that platform. So, yeah. and, and big time, Joe, you've made it to the big time. I don't know about that. Well, I knew, I knew I made it to the big time when I was working with you. This is a whole <laughs> different, different thing. We, um, but for the, for that reason, it was pretty special. I also think that, um, that uh, just just the people that the people in this in in the Westwood Run group that we've met so far been fantastic group of people. So, if you're brand new to the show, welcome. If you have been with us for a while, uh, what should you see change? Nothing. Nothing. The show. Or hopefully, we'll just grow our audience and be able to have a bigger impact. Yeah, should be fun. So. Big thanks to all of you who are uh, joining us. Thanks to people that have hung out with us for a while, because obviously it's because of you that we were able to make this move. And thanks to our new Westwood One family. Yeah, we're really excited to be part of the team and uh, looking forward to bringing more great shows to all of you. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.